Welcome to the Nurture Hub Pregnancy and Birth Podcast with your hosts, Shari Lyon and Nicola Lay. Together, we bring over 30 years of experience in working with women and partners through education, breathing, mindfulness, and evidence-based information, and nurturing you through this transformation into motherhood. Join us on this journey as we connect with women and partners, mentoring, supporting, and navigating the ups and downs of becoming parents. Welcome to episode 25 of the Nurture Hub Pregnancy and Birth Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Shari Lyon, and I have the beautiful Nicola Lay joining me as well today. In this episode, Nicola and I want to bring to light and create conversation around birth trauma. So this is exactly why we invited Dr. Erin Bow, who is a clinical psychologist as well as a perinatal psychologist. She's also a transformational coach for women. So Erin has also previously taught childbirth education classes with Hypnobirthing Australia, and that is where I first met Erin. She has 12 years experience in supporting families through some of the worst traumas imaginable to find growth and strength and beautiful resilience that they may ne- never knew was possible. After experiencing her own two traumatic births, twice, um, she quickly learned how little support and training there was for also our birth workers who hear and witness these stories every day. From this, she has developed two birth trauma training courses. One is for parents and also one is for birth workers. She has attracted over a thousand students in less than six months. So this just speaks volumes to how much this work is needed. Her book, More Than a Healthy Baby, is due for release in December, and this is a beautiful, heartfelt call to action for families to not only find strength and growth after trauma or birth trauma, but to also become the guardians of change in our birth culture for the next generation. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we would love for you to subscribe to our channel, So you get notifications every time we release a new episode and also leave us a comment or a review and on what you thought about this episode. Good morning, Erin. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Welcome. So uh, Erin and I actually met each other as hypnobirthing practitioners because Erin also trained as a hypnobirthing Australia practitioner, but now you're really zoning in and and focusing on supporting and helping and even educating other practitioners now to help um, women through birth trauma. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience with this? Yeah, so the short version <laughs> is obviously I'd been working as a psychologist for many years in the perinatal space, working with families for a long time. And I'd heard of birth trauma, of course, but didn't really fully sort of change my career and go in this direction until I had my two daughters and both of those births were traumatic. So I won't go into too much of the details because that can be triggering, but I suppose The last one I had with my daughter, Lily, um, she was five kilos. So she was born, you know, physiological birth, but she was a big chunky baby and she got stuck and it was quite a bit of an ordeal to get her out. And seeing, I suppose, not just the impact on me and my husband and everyone else who was in that birthing suite and then going, oh, there's just really not much information and support. So why not me? <laughs> if not me, then who else? So, yeah, I really got into this work after that. So, yeah, that's the kind of roundabout way of explaining that. Yeah, no, so we actually spoke to Mayette Pearson um, a few episodes back and she, there was one stat that she said that one in up to one in three women possibly suffer birth trauma. Do we have any actually statistics around that at the moment here in Australia that you know of? Uh, it's iffy because uh, I suppose part of that is coming from this mm, lag that we have in people speaking up and people filling out their, you know, feedback card and actually putting that data together. There's also a lot of women and families who sort of get brushed off or they get um, potentially misdiagnosed with postnatal depression or something else. I mean, you can have both, but 
yeah, it is as high as one in three. We can say that with some fair certainty. Yeah, wow. Mm, that's a huge statistic, isn't it, at all? So how would you define birth trauma, Erin? Mm, there's two kind of ways of going about it. The first thing that I think is really good for people to just let land in their own body and their own experiences, a birth is traumatic if you say it is. Like mm-hmm. it is what you think, what you feel, your reactions. It's not really for anyone else to step in and go, well, you've got a healthy baby. Well, I don't know if it sounds that bad. Well, at least you didn't die. And all the kind of things that come up, like, as we know, birth can be a very, like, categorical, judgy sort of place for people where we like to rank and classify and sort of try and get feedback on where we sit in comparison to everybody else. But it actually doesn't matter about everybody else. You can be in a room and, you know, have five, six people in that room in a birth suite and everybody have completely different reactions. So that's really the first thing. It's like it is your experience. It's your feelings. It doesn't actually matter what anybody else says, even a professional. (laughs) Like, you know, there's objective factors we can look at to sort of measure trauma. But for me, the most important thing is always that subjective, well, how do you feel? How does your how does your body process this? How are you coping? All of that. So that's the first bit. The second part, I suppose, is thinking about it like a continuum. So like a long horizontal line, up one end, you might have what's called birth regret, which plenty of women have where there might be some elements to the birth that didn't go exactly the way you wanted them to go. So often this might sort of come up as, well, I don't know if I really wanted that epidural. I don't know if I really wanted that induction. I wonder if I had chosen provider A instead of provider B. I wonder if I'd waited a bit longer. I wonder if I'd not waited longer. Mm, I I didn't really want that C-section. So that kind of stuff where there's parts of the birth that you weren't 100% happy with because no birth is all good or all bad but generally speaking you're kind of okay and it's not interfering with your day-to-day life so that's the early sort of stage that you might call birth regret then there's like the little t trauma which means you've got some persisting experiences and symptoms like having a really hard time stopping thinking about it like you just can't switch it off feeling anxious, feeling panicky, nightmares, sweating, being jumpy, avoiding things like you'll know if you've got it. But with a little T trauma, over the course of time, like generally say about a month, like postpartum a month to figure out anything is like take that with a very, very, very big pinch of salt because it's it's just not, it's it's too soon to figure out like what's normal and what's not. But generally speaking, after about six weeks-ish or so, you're generally coping okay. And these are the people who might do all right with like a birth debrief, talking to people about it, reading a book, that kind of thing. That's a kind of like little T trauma. And then you get into the more severe end of the spectrum, which is the big T trauma, the big kahuna, full-blown post-traumatic stress disorder, which you can absolutely have after birth. And this is just unrelenting panic, anxiety, feeling just like your life has been completely naturally turned upside down, which doesn't tend to resolve without some particular expertise and support and help. So very, very treatable, very, very manageable, but it's just that little bit extra icing on the cake where you can't talk yourself out of this. You're going to need some support most likely. Mm. yeah wow there is so many different levels of it isn't there and I'm just like sitting here and I'm just thinking of of women's stories and past clients or and it's just it's very prevalent isn't it it's more common I think than and I think that's one thing that is now I think it's actually becoming more to the surface like back when our parents had us I don't think it was ever spoken about like I I feel like Mm my mum suffered birth trauma because she was put under a general anesthetic. Mm. She talks about there being a missing link. Like she Mm. went to sleep pregnant and woke up and was handed a baby. Um, But 
they wouldn't talk about that as trauma. It was like, well, this is what had to be done. The doctor, if it wasn't for what the doctors did, then we would be dead. That's how she described my birth to me. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... um. And I think what we, well, I suppose in the, the work that I do with women um, it, with postnatal is that you see so many varying um, outcomes and how that the caregivers handle the situations postnatally and straight after birth, depending on whether they're busy or whether they really have got the time then to go and sit with that patient. Have you found that as well, that it's varying as to where and, and how that circumstance arise? Yes. So the interpersonal factors play a huge part in this. I mean, you can have on paper what seems to everyone else like a kind of fairly, like what is a standard birth, right? But, you know, like a fairly, okay, run-of-the-mill birth. But it can be something in the way that someone is spoken to, dismissed, Mm. you know, just the way that you're treated that's often the big part of it. It might not be in the actual like A to B to Z details of the birth. It's in all those interpersonal things. And similarly, you can have a really traumatic birth that, again, you look at the details and most people would not go, wow, that sounds horrific. But with really good care and really good support, that doesn't automatically mean that you're going to have post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's like this fine, it's a lot like birth. It's a continuation of like all the little magical elements that go together to create a good experience or an average experience or a terrible experience. And it might just be that little thread over there and that little thread there. Like it's, it's a dance. It really is. Yeah. And I guess if it's, um, if it's, well, if your person, the person's looked after, after birth immediately, and they're able to talk about it with the caregivers in the hospital, you know, a couple of days after that can sometimes be really healing, can't it at that moment? Um, But what I see is a lot of women, uh, especially this year have said that they've walked away from hospital really confused about whether that was normal or not Mm. Um, and then they're really hankering to talk to their midwife when they come to their home visits about their birth and then they're kind of dimmed you know dumbed down and said oh you know everyone goes through these experiences but and then they're feeling like they're quite lonely and that's what I see regularly I guess over the last 10 years but more this year actually. Mm, And I'd agree with that and I think a huge part of that is also the birth culture and how we're training people and people often not wanting to put their hand up and say, I wasn't trained. I mean, none of us have been trained in the pandemic, of course, but none of us were trained in this. I actually don't really know how to help you because I can barely manage myself. And that's a huge thing that we're seeing in the healthcare industry this year is that even if people want to help and want to offer that support, having the emotional reserves and the actual training, like the actual guidance and support yeah. from managers and hospital staff and higher, higher, higher up as far as you can go, just doesn't exist. And it puts, you know, our birthing staff, the ones who really do care and the ones who really are invested in this, not the narcissistic, <laughs> nasty <laughs> ones, but the ones who really care are so burnt out because they're just, don't know how to help they're really 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 burnt out themselves so yep it's a real crisis do you think that our system here though in Australia is also very much possibly the cause of women suffering birth trauma because we are so can well we are so controlled I guess in birth and we're not given all of the options and so that this is where I hear of women going well I just thought it was normal that this is, this is just what happens in birth. You know, it's normal to have an episiotomy. It's normal to be told to get on your back and put your legs in stirrups. It It's normal to be, you know, spoken to in this way because, I mean, I don't feel like I suffered any birth trauma. I, I had a, a beautiful birth, but I still look back and go in certain moments in my birth going like for my first birth where I was totally not heard and not respected in a request to birth my placenta naturally you know the way she spoke to me was she just snapped at me and said I don't have time to wait for your placenta 
and jab the needle of, needle of symptosin in, in my leg. Now, mm. I didn't come away from that feeling traumatized. I came away from it pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now that is one of my biggest passions to share with couples the options. But would you say that the system also kind of fails us and even sets us up in a way to come out of our experiences feeling traumatized? Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's how we keep people feeling small and scared and insignificant because yeah. so long as people feel small and scared and insignificant and that they can't complain, they won't complain. And when yeah. people don't complain, the system doesn't change. So a huge, you know, push, I suppose, that's happening at the moment with a lot of the consumer groups, as in people who have births, they don't necessarily use that language outside of Australia, but in Australia we call them consumers. It's the thing, and it's often the thing that I hear from midwives as well, saying it doesn't matter if I complain. It doesn't matter if I go to my boss and say that wasn't right. It really needs to come from the families to say, hang on, that wasn't okay. So it's this like classical psychological warfare almost so that if you don't know that you've actually like been mistreated and abused and all your friends and all your family have got similar stories then it sort of just continues as this thing just as you're saying Shari that like oh this is normal it's it's a it's a very tricky situation that's going on yeah and is there a policy in place like in the UK where where I'm from there is a policy that if you have been deemed to have any kind of traumatic experience or you're not happy that you get automatically offered a conversation with a a midwife postnatally just to check in about how you feel around the birth experience is that a policy in Australia it depends it depends on where you are But I think, you know, I mean, I remember my own experience. Yes, it was offered, but to some extent it's also like, well, if that is going to be with potentially one of the people who did the mistreating and did the hurting (laughs) and who have maybe even just pissed you off, while you're there postpartum, exhausted, sleep-deprived, trying to learn to breastfeed a baby, trying to deal with injuries or whatever else is going on for you, you just, you can't be bothered. It's all too hard. Yeah. I think to fight for yourself takes like quite a level of emotional and physical reserve that a lot of people just don't have at that point. So it's almost like, yep, offer it. That's good. But I know for myself, I was like, no, I just want to get out of here. I felt the same as well. Yeah. I think we do like feel that with a lot of our clients too. It's kind of like we've even had clients we've worked with, they recently suffer well, we believe they've suffered birth trauma, but it, it's kind of like you bringing it up with them as well is kind of very, um, it's. You've got to choose the right words and you've got to be able to hold the space for them. And if especially they want if to. they're not wanting to share it with you mm-hmm. first, even though you may see some signs, it's really hard to kind of even get them to open up, I find, like and get them to actually share because they do just want to shut shut you off because that's their coping mechanism is that kind of normal for many women as well I'm finding that a lot actually yeah yeah there's a there's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of even like we're not even explaining to people very well like well if you do have a well like a debrief for example is a word that's thrown around a lot which can mean very different things depending on who's running it and where you go and what it is like a psychological debrief is often very different to a chat and it's also very different to sometimes what actually ends up just being potentially a meeting with um you know lawyers and PR people and you know it being an imbalance of power so I think we've got to be a bit more clear about what it is we're actually offering people and what you know what are the outcomes of that and what are we hoping to achieve because going back over the story with no real support no real I suppose signposts to keep you grounded and keep you feeling safe is actually no guarantee that's going to make anyone feel any better either it's got to be a very highly tailored highly structured very supportive environment and it's tricky to find the data like for example in America it's a lot easier to find well what are the complaints what are the consumers concerns Here in Australia, that information is not as publicly available, which is interesting in and of itself. Mm. 
So when it comes to birth trauma, can can it be physical or is it just mental or a combination of both? Because you hear of women having physical trauma in birth, um, but then, like you said, there are times where, yes, the baby comes out, but there's also an emotional side definitely to it, isn't there? Yeah, so it absolutely can be both. Um, the tricky part is, is that the word trauma in the medical sense and in a forensic sense and so sort of you know sometimes the way people think what they think trauma is is physical injury to the body um you know even in the early days of like you know researching it myself for my courses and my books and everything else a lot of the books on birth trauma were about physical injuries like as in you know what surgeons needed to do but of course no you can have not a scratch on you and it could be all interpersonal so it can it can be injuries and that's a huge part of it but the other enormous part of it is it's in a look it's in a way you're spoken to it's in you know your decisions and your choices not being respected not being heard you know it can be in an eyebrow raise it can be like you know we know from birth that birthing environment and the energy that everybody brings and the attitude that they bring whether they're coming in with love and support and energy and an empty bladder and all those things and they're well-rested and well-fed versus tired, fear-driven, cranky, have too many women and other babies to look after, don't have enough time, have got their own staffing issues. Like it just makes such a difference. So absolutely it can be invisible. It's a lot, it's similar to bullying, right, you know, and how many of us grew up with the, like, but, you know, there's no scratch on you. doesn't matter if there's no scratch on you. It can all be interpersonal. Yeah. Can you just for our listeners sort of give some ideas of what uh, a physical um, or emotional symptom of of trauma for birth can be? Because I think some people think, well, that's I'm not suffering with those things. But what is it? I'm feeling a bit odd. What is that? And I think it would help sort of define if you can. (laughs) Mm, There's lots and lots and lots of different ways that it can present. But I guess if you think about this idea of Unlike anxiety and depression where it might be, I'm generally feeling anxious or I'm generally feeling down or teary or whatever it might be. This is like you're just so preoccupied with the birth and the immediate moment after it, like sweating, feeling nauseous, finding that like I often sometimes see people like physically put like a hand in front of their face because they don't want to remember the images that they're seeing. Smells sounds bother them even you know for people it can continue on to things like every time their baby cries and they know they have to feed them and they're in pain or they're anxious and there's you know breastfeeding difficulties it can be in having nightmares it can be in really having a difficult time with your partner because you just don't understand each other and you don't understand what's happened it can be, oh, there's just so many things that go into it, but it's generally that feeling completely and utterly overwhelmed and can't stop thinking about it, specific to the birth and the immediate moments afterwards. Mm, and I have worked with many women that feel the guilt about not wanting to hold their baby and not feeling the bond to their baby after having a traumatic experience. Mm. Have you come across that frequently? You would have done for sure. Yeah, and it's the, you know, one of the guilty, dirty secrets that people don't want to talk about. I mean, I remember from my first birth, the birth itself was generally pretty good, like it was on paper, perfect hypnobirth. But then in the moments after that, um, you know, I had a massive injury that wasn't sort of discovered until I started to be in excruciating pain. And so for me, having, you know, my daughter on me and attempting to breastfeed, even from that first breastfeed, where she wasn't interested, she was like flailing and getting upset. She'd also been induced, um, you know, she came out in like 90 minutes to finish. Um, And so that for me was associated with pain. And I remember for those first moments going like, I don't, I just don't feel that like overwhelming gush of love and attachment and bonding that you're supposed to feel. I sort of just feel like a bit numb and I'm not really sure that, (laughs) almost like I'm not really sure I've done the right thing. Like I love my baby, but I'm just not 
feeling it. And that sort of didn't really come until a few weeks after. And that's totally normal. Yeah. And I, you know, I guess what I deal with later on is women even like seven, eight years post partum you know feeling that guilt heavily about the fact that they didn't feel this instant connection and it didn't come to them till a lot you know maybe the baby was three or four months old and they just said I don't know how you ever heal from that so yeah it's something like you said that people don't like to talk about because they feel like it's they're a bit you know the odd one out yeah but it is very manageable and this is the thing like sometimes bonding is a learned skill like it's not necessarily something that comes instantly like you know in the ideal world like yep birth would come just instantly but we know it's a learned skill breastfeeding we know it's a learned skill (laughs) bonding to your baby learned skill like everything else in birth parenting pregnancy there are elements to that that we are supposed are being told this sort of lie that it is all just supposed to be instant and you're supposed to work it out and if you haven't then there must be something wrong with you and you're not maternal and you don't love your baby which is rubbish a lot of it's just it's learning these are skills same as you know moving through trauma is a learned skill this is not something that you got taught in high school right and yet how amazing would it have been if all of us were taught like a few basic coping strategies yeah yeah gosh Absolutely. Now, one thing we haven't kind of mentioned is the if birth partners yes. and their experience, can they suffer birth trauma? Well, I know that they can. I've actually worked with a number of couples where the birth partner has suffered birth trauma in the past birth and the mum's trying to get them to do the hypnobirthing course in the hope to help them through it. Um is this spoken about much? Because we're kind of at the moment only really focusing on the mum, which obviously is important, but it's a like a family unit. And so yeah. if also the birth partner has seen something, heard something, experienced trauma, they're kind of a little bit forgotten about as well yeah, in the postpartum. Yeah, they're often overlooked and there is this kind of culture of like, well, it didn't happen to you, so shut up kind of thing the analogy I always give with that when I've done training in you know for working with birth partners is to think about that idea of and it's an extreme example but it helps to like (laughs) let it land in the right way is that you know I would rather be shot than watch my children be shot 100% there are some things that potentially is worse to watch and witness unfolding in front of you because then you don't have any control Like when it's happening to you, you're feeling it, it's happening, it's not necessarily very pleasant. But I suppose for me as a parent, I think, well, I would take a bullet and deal with it before I'd watch my children be shot. Like that's just a no-brainer. So for a partner who's standing in the background watching things unfolding, whether it is being held down, your partner being cut, spoken to rudely, just things just happening all in this whir of, you know, does this need to happen? Is it an emergency? I don't really know what's going on. And then stand back. Like it goes against, like it really challenges people at this core of who they think they are and what their values are. Because if this was happening in the street, like someone came and punched your partner down or spoke to them rudely or, you know, assaulted them, abused them, was rude to them in any other way, you would step in and help because that's what your instinct says to do. But with birth culture, they stand back and don't do anything and then all that trauma if you look at it from a somatic experiencing point of view all that cortisol all that adrenaline that fight or flight mode gets kicked off although for some people it might be freeze and appease as in like just stand still shut up don't do anything you don't want to get in the way it where does it go (laughs) like where does that energy go and it often comes up later with people doing the like you know i i I didn't do anything. I don't know what to make of this. And I think this is the thing that we don't speak to partners in particular about of what it is like to be the bystander witness of something unfolding when in any other life circumstance you would step in and help or at least say something and say, you know, get off my partner. How dare you treat them like that? But in birth suddenly it's all acceptable. It does a strange thing to your sense of your values and who you think you are. So, yeah, absolutely it's important that we keep talking about it. 
And what about for the beautiful babies? Do you see that, you know, babies can obviously feel a, a trauma themselves, can't they? Yes. So, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we didn't really think babies were real people. <laughs> I didn't think they felt any pain. So, you know, the area of infant mental health is very specialised and it is quite new, but absolutely, like, it's just a no-brainer. It has to impact them, right? People are very resilient and I think, you know, with love and support and the right, you know, sort of assistance, it doesn't have to be a life sentence because this is a thing that people worry about as well. Like, what about the impact on my baby? Babies are resilient, but also we are nowhere near figuring out what, you know, the long-term impacts of your own birth might be. It's still very early days. Yeah. And um, how can, you know, for women that are getting ready to birth, how can they help their, you know, how can they talk to their caregiver or is there a way that they can talk to them about if there is a, a difficult birth, how they can then, you know, get that bonding as much as possible after? Is that something that you help or can advise on? Yeah, it's a very much individual process because it also needs to take into account, um, you know, that other thing that happens is when we become parents ourselves, suddenly a lot of things from our own childhood can come up, which can be positive things, negative things, neutral things. But to do with attachment, it also depends on your own attachment to people in your world already. And if you've had that experience of secure warm trusting loving attachments which most of us have had but some of us have had some tricky attachments particularly with caregivers so again it's like people sometimes really beat themselves up for not sort of knowing how to automatically do this but often you know it's not this thing you're thinking about two seconds after giving birth your own the way that you were parented and the way that you were supported in the world but it does have an impact particularly if you're already navigating life, not sure about attachments to people. So feeling like you're never really trusting of anyone or feeling like you're never quite sure how someone's going to respond to you, those kinds of things. Very, very manageable. But as you can kind of figure, everybody's individual experience is just that. It's individual. So there's definitely like no 101 on how to prepare for that. (laughs) What can women do to prepare to, I guess, try and reduce as much as possible experiencing trauma in birth? I think the first thing is trusting yourself and trusting your own ability to speak up for yourself, which is difficult to do because birth, of course, is a time when you are the most vulnerable. But, you know, I guess if we go back to, you know, like what we teach in the Hidden Birth in Australia program, about, you know, you think of all those times that you sent back food that wasn't right. You've negotiated a job salary. You've negotiated a rental contract. You've sent back coffee. Like anything where you have stood up for yourself, you've actually got the ability to do that. It's, again, remembering the birth culture that it puts people into this bubble where all of a sudden, like, you don't know anything, you don't have any rights and you've got to go along with what other people say because of the whole, oh, you don't want to have a dead baby. Like, I think that's part of it. It's like really treating it like the unique special event that it is, but also remembering that in a hospital setting, like it's a business. Not everybody there has the same goal as you. Birth is often, you know, very much centred on having a healthy, alive baby at the end. But like that should be the minimum. And somehow we've turned that into like, you know, the like top tier thing that families can hope for it's like I'm sorry shouldn't that just be the minimum so yeah we've really got to think I suppose about what's the environment that you're going into and keeping yourself strong in your rights and you're trusting yourself and trusting your body and your baby and that really comes through education and also choosing a caregiver who's going to hopefully be there with that continuity of care and I know it's not always an option for for every woman but I think for for our listeners if you are pregnant or if you are planning a pregnancy I I would personally I would be like you please look into your options and choose a caregiver who's going to be 
physically and emotionally supportive to you in having the, the best birth possible and is also going to be there for you after the birth as well. They're not just going to, you know, wipe their hands of, of you like my midwife did, didn't have time to wait for my placenta, wanted to just get, you know, get me out so she could move on to the on to the next mother. Um, but having that postpartum uh, relationship as well that follows through for those six weeks so that I guess if you've had that relationship in the lead up to pregnancy and birth or, or you know, you've hopefully made sure you, you are educated and you're equipped and your birth partner knows um, how to support you. And even, and this is where too, you know, I, I wish I could guarantee that everyone that did the Hypnobirthing Australia course, I would guarantee you'd have this beautiful, amazing birth, but it's just something that we can't, but it's still okay. Even if you have done everything that you can to avoid it, if birth trauma can still happen, but it's knowing the support and who's there to, to help you after. Yeah. And I think that's right. And that's why I'm like, I'm a perfect example of that, you know, um, did all the things did hypnobirthing, taught hypnobirthing, had a doula, knew all my birth rights, was very assertive, still had two traumatic births. So it's important for people to remember, like it doesn't discriminate. Trauma doesn't happen because of something that you did or didn't do. It doesn't come down to, well, you know, I should have had that piece of toast or I shouldn't have chosen to have that Panadol or, you know, I wasn't grateful enough or I wasn't positive enough. Trauma doesn't happen because of that. Trauma and gratitude have very little to do with each other. They don't reside in the same place so whilst it is important to do all the things it makes a phenomenal difference like and I still think you know every other day how different those traumatic births could have been for me if I didn't have all those extra things in the background to just soften the blow but you absolutely cannot sort of go oh well it won't happen to you because you did all the things it's doesn't discriminate we still don't 100% even understand why it happens to some people and not others. Yeah, and I can totally relate to that, Erin, because I was exactly the same, did all of the work, had been working with pregnant women for so many years before, and I just assumed that I was going to have this most amazing, you know, goddess birth, and it was (laughs) really the opposite. Um, But with doing, I don't know if you were the same, but because of the planning and and the mindset that I went into the births, I felt that I had, uh, you know, I was able to deal with the aftermath a lot better um, because I kind of had this feeling of knowledge as I went in. Did you feel the same? Yeah, I think, you know, for me that was a huge part of it the second time is like knowing that it was traumatic but I was generally okay. It was everyone else around me who was not okay and, you know, part of the joke because, you know, lines and mood with that it's like well I, I didn't witness any of it <clears throat> you know I had my eyes closed so I didn't see the episiotomy I didn't see all the rotations and things that happened I was certainly there and I certainly felt it but you know I think it, there's just so many different little factors that can go into this and for me part of that getting to the growth point which you know not in a million years did I ever think hey I'm going to teach birth trauma I didn't think it would happen to me. I thought, yep, I was so well prepared. Like, not not a chance, but, you know, sometimes things in life throw themselves at you and if it wasn't this, it guaranteed would be something else. Like, that's my kind of big yes. belief is that we are here, <laughs> trauma, like it or not, and if it's not birth, it will be something else. It will be something else. It's how you frame it for yourself, what you make it mean, and finding the growth and the strength from it because it is possible it is absolutely possible to come out of this stronger more capable more in awe of yourself than you ever were before like not in a million years did I ever think I could push out a five kilo baby (laughs) not a chance you know before I did childbirth education I was a person like I want all the drugs I want all the things and that's fine that's for some people but you know being able to look back and go like every time I stub my toe get a paper cut I'm like well I can probably deal with that if it was that five kilo baby. So <laughs> I suppose what I'm saying in a roundabout way is don't discount the opportunity to really see some amazing strength and growth from yourself. That's like the most exciting bit for me. 
I love that so much. Yeah. Mm. And so how can we help women to heal from birth trauma? I think we've got to take the, at least you've got a healthy baby stuff out of the dialogue and we've actually got to just listen and allow people to share what their experience is without jumping in with an opinion about it. I mean, validating and supporting all should be part of that, you know. I think I was saying to someone on another podcast the other day about you think about <clears throat> the analogy of a wedding, you know. If something doesn't go right for your wedding, your flowers aren't right, your drunk uncle, like, spews on the cake or something, people are there in a heartbeat to empathise and sympathise and be like, of course you're upset. Of course this isn't right. No one turns to you and says, oh, well, at least you've got a healthy partner. Like, complaining, <laughs> at least you've got a healthy partner. But with birth, we're like, oh, no, come on get on with it this is just what you're supposed to do and yet you know a wedding is amazing of course it is one day in your life but I I would I would think for myself might not be for other people but you know the day of my births were far more life-changing than my wedding day like just saying yeah yeah 100% yeah and there is an interesting thing that I, I've been helping women with is the relationship breakdown years on. There's a, a very, I've heard it a few times now where the husband is kind of, you know, not valued the fact that, that, you know, the woman, their partner has been through this because they haven't got the same trauma. And, and they're like, well, you weren't very good with pain anyway. So I kind of expected it to be like that for you. Or, you know, well, I don't know why you're still going on about this years on, like just deal with it now, like it's happened and, and, and you're all right. You did really good, but it's, I mean, like that's something that I'm dealing with every week at the moment is women feeling that they weren't seen at their birth and and they're having to do a lot of marriage work on that Mm. yeah and that also comes you can go in the roundabout way we go back to you know if we I guess if we just focus on like male partners and you're asking them you know at the start of this journey well what do you know about your own birth what did your parents teach you about birth and for a lot of them it's those you know analogies the one that Robbie Williams quote about watching your favorite pub burning down you know, my own <laughs> husband was someone who was like, I'm going to stay at the top end. I don't want to know any about this. And that's all from this big, long, like, patriarchal culture of, oh, men don't talk about that. You know, we just don't, we prepare, you know, our daughters potentially for birth and what it's going to be like and talk about babies, but people don't talk to their sons about it. So you also then have the amazing opportunity to see that beautiful 180 when dads are really involved and they are really supportive and they are, you know, completely transformed and actually see you know, like this is one of the potential amazing consequences when you're ready and you get to it is that you actually do see the growth in each other like going through something horrific with someone can transform your relationship to be stronger more positive more sustainable but it doesn't just happen because again no one is teaching this stuff in school people yeah. just sort of blindly go along and then wonder why things are not working it's like these are some basic basic tools really really basic that we could be teaching much sooner so it's that you know handing the baton on thing that we can potentially be doing which is teaching the next generation okay here are the things in life you actually need to know like (laughs) I could go on and on but I won't (laughs) I know I feel feel that that conversation's yeah yeah, lengthy isn't it amazing (laughs) <laughs> are there any t- tools or techniques that you could share with our listeners who maybe feel like they have suffered birth trauma or um, that they could use to maybe help themselves? Or is it really about seeing a professional like yourself um, to help talk through it? It depends where you're at. But I think in any case, most people want to self-manage and they want to be able to do things for themselves, particularly if it's three in the morning and, you know, there's nowhere open for you to talk to anyway. So A huge first thing is that self-compassion. What we know from the trauma research now that's becoming more and more apparent is that compassion for yourself, being kind to yourself is really, really important. Saying, you know, using, continuing all those affirmations and saying, I did the best that I could. I'm actually pretty strong. If I can do this, I can get through anything. Like my baby doesn't need anything special. They just need me. You know, I matter too. So a lot of that kind of self-talk and allowing the experience to come in. 
which is counterproductive from what we usually teach. We usually say things like, stop crying, don't think about it, just don't worry, look over there, here's something shiny, here's a snack, like you're okay. Like all those things that we say to children, like myself included sometimes, I'm not perfect, I don't claim to be perfect, <laughs> but doing the opposite of the like, don't think about it. Because if that worked, like I wouldn't actually have a job if the whole just don't worry, don't think about it was actually a thing. So <clears throat> allowing the experience, the thoughts, the images, the smells, the flashbacks in, in small doses, like it might be starting with 20 seconds and then a minute and then two minutes. So letting the information come in and reminding your brain that you're still safe, that you're in the present. Because trauma time does this weird thing where we often say there is no time in trauma, there's only the trauma. So when you're having the re-experiencing, I suppose you could call it, of the trauma, your brain reacts as if you're back there and it's happening right now. So it's almost like you need to do a bit of self-coaching by reminding yourself that this is a memory and you're safe and it's okay. So by doing that in really, really, really small doses, you're going to build your window of tolerance and those waves of emotion and intensity will actually get smaller. It's practice it's not something that you can just do in like two weeks if it's getting worse and unrelenting and you're finding that you just can't do this on your own which is true for a lot of people then yeah getting some support with someone who is trained in how to teach you to do this and it is a look it's a teachable skill it really is a teachable skill but part of that is again it's the bigger culture of not telling people not to think about things because it doesn't work it actually makes it worse um, and I think the ability to put things into some sort of a story with a beginning, a middle and an end, which is I'm a big fan of doing like a birth timeline so that you've got something at the start, some details in the middle and then something at the end about what you're going to make it mean. It doesn't mean you actually need to remember all the details. You just need a simple story because brains like stories. What brains do not like is disconnected bits of information that don't make sense because it will constantly pop it up in your brain, like those annoying pop-ups that come up on your computer going, what do you want to do with this? Until you put it into a story. So once you can put it into some sort of story, again, it will settle and your brain will go, oh, okay, cool, that file's done. Doesn't mean you're going to stop thinking about it. Doesn't mean it's going to go away, but it will stop a lot of those, as I say, random bits of information coming out when you don't want to be thinking about it. So integrating it into some sort of story. And then the last one is really making it mean something and not making it mean that you're a failure, that you should have tried harder, that you're not good enough, that you're not cut out for birth, that your body doesn't work properly. But, you know, the more positive statement, if and when you're ready to get to it, this doesn't happen two seconds after birth, but eventually you want to get to a goal of this means I'm strong. This means I did whatever I needed to do for my baby. And that's, you know, this is what any parent does for their kid, right? You just did the best that you could with what you had. It might mean that you are so much more aware of your own rights now and that you're more aware of advocacy. It might mean then that you are like more fired up to go and support other women and other families who are in the same place that you were five years ago. So, I mean, this is the amazing thing that trauma can actually do for people. Would I prefer I had the, like, you know, fairy lights, gentle, no no issues birth? 100%. But then obviously, I don't know, for me, I kind of feel like there must have been some other meaning in it. It can't just be random for me. It must have meant something. And for me, going through those births meant, well, it means I get to share what I know to help other people. And that's yeah. a decent outcome for me, even if it's just one person who goes, oh, you know what? Because of what you shared, I actually don't feel so alone. I actually don't feel so worthless. I feel like there is actually hope at the end of that. And that's, you know, for me what it's all about. I love that. And that's exactly how I've kind of rolled out my journey is that I had those births so that I could be, you know, make women feel like they're not alone and and share mm. my own kind of, you know, empathy towards that woman from my own experience too. Yeah. Well, Erin, this has been a really eye-opening, beautiful chat. I think we need to keep talking about this, even if it's just for 
one woman to hear it and recognize that she's not the only one that it it does happen and her feelings are valid even though maybe no one else has validated how she's felt mm-hmm. um but how can women even follow you more or I understand you've got a book coming out <laughs> I do now that you mention it Shari thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so more than a healthy baby is coming out in December so that is a book about how to cope with birth trauma essentially which uses the dovetailing of all my professional experience my personal experience and then through the growth angle of you know getting to a positive end not picking up your pom-poms and going like yep just be positive (laughs) but you know getting to a place of actual meaning making and growth as a process and there is an online course of the same name which you can do and there's also a book I've got on Amazon which is just like a short simple book about coping strategies which I think is called practical tools for birth trauma something like that you can look it up on Amazon and it'll be there so yeah there's different ways to work with me that way I'm still doing a few one-on-ones here and there but there's lots of options because not everybody necessarily wants or needs to go and see a psychologist it might be that you start with something like a book or a course see how you go and if it's not shifting or you've been to see someone and they don't get it that unfortunately happens sometimes too birth trauma is a tricky thing right I I think it's worth saying that even really highly trained people sometimes who know a lot about trauma don't know anything about birth or people who know a lot about birth maybe don't know about trauma or vice versa it is a really unique special area and if you're not connecting with someone or they seem dismissive or they don't seem to understand like what you're going through try someone else because that connection possibly more than the content or more than what you do is more important than anything you really need to feel validated and supported by this person and if you don't it's probably not the right fit yeah thank you we'll make sure we put all of those links to your amazon book and your online course in the in the show notes but we really appreciate your time and your expertise and sharing your own experiences and actually bringing this to to light and giving women just something to even i guess go to yeah 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 100 i know a lot of our listeners will be really valuing this conversation Yeah. yeah and hopefully those of you who are yet to have your babies and are maybe still preparing. Um, hopefully you don't have to come back and listen to this podcast again, but to know it's here if you do ever yeah. feel that way after your birth. But thank you so much, Erin, for your time. We thank really you. appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. We hope this episode has helped you on your own journey. We would love it if you can subscribe and leave a review and help us to spread the word of positive pregnancy and birth. We would like to personally invite you to join our Nurture Hub online community where you can connect with other women and be mentored by us one-on-one in one of our future episodes. It's so important to feel connected and nurtured through this time and we would love to support you. Thanks Thanks for listening. listening.